What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. Sorry to scream in y'all's ear, but let's freaking go, dude. Waking up a Super Bowl champion feels like nothing I have ever felt in my life. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Zero touchdowns, bro. Wow. Zero freaking touchdowns for the best offense in the league. That's the Bucks defense, baby. That's what we do. That is what we do. That's what we do. The Bucks kept the Lombardi in Tampa. Fairy tale finish. Everyone doubted Tom Brady at his age, 43. Everyone doubted Tom Brady's arm as a vertical passer. Guess what? Led the league among quarterbacks in intended air yards. Throw the ball, threw the ball downfield more than anyone else. The Bucks have a chance to play in their own stadium. They are hosting the Super Bowl. They have a rough start in the season. Brady had no offseason with COVID. No chance to train with these guys. We have a rough start, and slowly it comes along. It comes along. People are moving out on the books, right? Beginning of the season, middle of the season, people are moving out on the books. We look super bad versus the Chiefs. People are moving out on the books. It came along. It came along. Brady, he doesn't care about your narratives. Drew Brees, last game at home, last game in the stadium, he's going to retire Drew Brees should wipe the floor with with Tampa, or at least beat Tampa. They were two and zero versus us in the season, and this is his going away party. Brees don't or Brady don't care about that narrative. Win Aaron Rodgers MVP season. Everyone wants to see Aaron Rodgers in an MVP season have a chance at another Super Bowl to add to his resume, so that he could possibly enter the conversation as one of the top three or top five quarterbacks in the league and face off first Patrick Mahomes, and we've got crazy live arms on both sides. Guess what? Brady doesn't care about the narrative. Mahomes, he's trying to take the mantle. Everyone's, oh, this Super Bowl is going to be the passing of the torch. Brady don't care about your freaking narratives, baby. Let's go. The Bucks continued to be doubted. Saints, underdog, win. Packers, underdog, win. Chiefs, underdog, win. We got payback on the Saints, who we lost to both times. Payback on the Chiefs, who made us look stupid. And by the way, the Chiefs were the last game the Bucks lost. Since that Week 12 game, undefeated. This season, this entire season, has been reminiscent. And I only know this because... I'm a diehard Bucks fan, so even though I didn't watch it live while it happened, I've gone back and watched it, the the game, the season, read a bunch of articles about what it was like when the Bucks were a Super Bowl squad. This season is so reminiscent of that season. The Bucks 
in that season, 03, 2002 to 2003, the Super Bowl was in 03, had to get over the hump like we did with the Saints this year of the Eagles. The Eagles were our stumbling stumbling block for the past couple of years. We had to play them in the playoffs. Plus, just like it was Drew Brees' last game he was going to retire, it was the Eagles' last game in that Super Bowl before they moved to, or in that stadium before they moved to a new stadium. So, the Bucks had the same type of stumbling block versus a team that has been giving them trouble for a while. And it was like a going away party in that stadium for the Eagles as it was for Brees in his stadium because he's retiring. And guess what? Bucks beat the Eagles that season, obviously, because we won the Super Bowl and continued to go on and take it all the way home in the Super Bowl versus, guess what? The league's number one offense in the Raiders. And guess what? Defense wins championships. As long as your offense can put up some points, defense wins championships. And they had a sick defense highlighted at every position. Linebacker, safety, D-line. Guess what? Levante David, Devin White, linebackers. D-line, Vita Vea, JPP, Shaq Barrett. Safety, Antoine Winfield. And we got some really nice young dynamic corners, especially Carlton Davis when he's able to play press man and he didn't do much of that in this game but guess what when it was crunch time and there was a short field that the Chiefs were working with they utilized him sometimes in press man and whoo that boy can play that boy can play let me tell you so outside of that I mean I gotta rep my squad right you guys know it was coming if you didn't expect it I don't know what you've been what you've been doing man because whoo I'm probably the biggest Bucks fan you know so, anyways, let's talk about the future, right? There's one person that I think is worth mentioning, like extremely worth mentioning, the biggest player for fantasy relevance that might, you know, have their future change for the Buccaneers, and that's Chris Godwin. I've been very adamant that Chris Godwin will stay as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He has been the Buccaneers poster boy. He has been somebody that was taken later on in the rounds, third round, been developed very nicely into one of the best wide receivers in the game and you know you might like you guys know I've been having trouble managing my mindset on his drops but just over the course of the season and the past few seasons he has been one of the best you can ask Matt Harmon with his reception perception Chris Godwin is just outstanding but because we won the Super Bowl there is a chance that he leaves and I mean it's tough I don't want him to leave obviously but the Bucks are going to have some tough decisions. They've got Shaq Barrett. I definitely think we're bringing him back as a free agent. Chris Godwin, free agent. And Levante David is a free agent. And we're probably not going to bring back all three while also maintaining either a Leonard Fournette for a cheaper contract or an Antonio Brown for a cheaper contract or an Indomitian Sue or JPP for cheaper contracts, whatever. So, and uh, Donovan Smith. We'll see what happens, what they do with that contract. There's a lot of possible movement that this team could have or maybe Godwin will give us a hometown discount maybe he'll let us pay him 15 to 17 a year instead of the probably 18 to 21 he's gonna have thrown his way from the Colts and from other teams that need receiver and have a lot of cap space if he gives us that hometown discount if he wants to stay and run it back then that's definitely a possibility but the Bucks have a lot of free agents it's very possible that Godwin does leave and because we won the Super Bowl that's gonna be one of the biggest reasons because he got his ring He's not like, oh, we were so close, taste of victory, but we didn't get it. I want to run it back. I want to get my ring. 
there there's none of that now. He's got it. So it's very possible that he leaves to get the money he really truly deserves. I, I wouldn't blame him for it. But obviously, as a Bucks fan, I want him to stay. Now, with that said, as you can see from the title, we are getting into the rookie quarterbacks. We had the Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields debate already. Now we have all the rest of the quarterbacks that I want to talk about for fantasy purposes, and we will do so right after this. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Do you grind in the gym trying to get built? If so, then you probably know working out is only half the battle with the other half being nutrition. Well, luckily, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get protein bars, 100% daily vitamin packs that mix into your water. I use that all the time. Tastes great. You can get caffeine and protein mixed into one as a pre-workout gel pack. And all of these things help you turn your hard work in the gym into visible results. I use these products myself, and they are great. And I also have a promo code that helps both of us save 10% off with Deep Dive. That's Deep Dive to save 10% off at BuiltBar.com and on any of their products. And my favorite energy protein pack flavor, by the way, if you want to go that route, is the peanut butter honey. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right. Pause it right here and drop me a rating or review. And if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, rookie quarterbacks, we're going to get into them. But first, before getting into the prospects, as always, I got to credit some of the sources that helped me get a bigger picture, a better understanding of things alongside what I saw myself, right? I use a lot of sources because I try to get you guys the best information possible. And one man is not enough to pull in all the information that could possibly be relevant for fantasy by himself. Therefore, I am somebody who is an avid article reader and everything. So, these are some of the guys that helped me out for sure, along with my own analysis. The Draft Network, Sports Reference, Big Blue View, PFF, Pro Football Network, and the QB School on YouTube. I encourage you to check that out if you've never seen that. That's pretty cool. It's kind of lengthy. You know, it's like 20, 25 minute video on like one game, but it's awesome. I, I love what he does there at the QB School. So that's something that's very helpful and definitely worth looking into. I also want to clarify, as always, the age I am showing or telling you guys next to the players' names is how old they will be at the start of the NFL season. That's September 9th. All right? So we're going to be working at an even date at the start of the season for everyone. Let's get it going. My QB3, for fantasy purposes, obviously, we got Fields and Lawrence as 1 and 2, 1A, 1B, but for fantasy purposes, Trevor Lawrence is definitely 1A because he is more likely to run, as we talked about on the last podcast. Trey Lance, 6'4", 226 at a North Dakota State. He will be 21 when the season starts. His best season so far, 2019, 2,786 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, and get this, zero interceptions. 1,100, 1,100 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns in 16 games. He only passed the ball 18 times per game, so that's what you're seeing with the low pass yardage number, but the touchdown-interception ratio, 28-0, to 0, that's amazing. 1,100 rushing yards, insane. My NFL comparison for him is Josh Allen. He's got rushing ability. He keeps very good balance as a runner. He's really good after contact. He's got breakaway speed. Obviously, that's super 
awesome for fantasy because if quarterback gets a lane and they burst up the middle or they burst to the sideline, if they got the breakaway speed, that's how you're getting your 40-yard, 50-yard touchdown runs from guys like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Trey Lance is going to be one of those guys. He carries more rushing upside than Trevor Lawrence and more rushing upside than Justin Fields. You're looking at, I mean, a lot of people like to compare him to Jalen Hurts, but he has way more potential. He has way more physical tools he's working with. So Trey Lance, to me, is somebody I am all over in Superflex, especially rookie drafts, because he's probably going to be going a little late. Justin Herbert was going a little later than he should have been in Superflex rookie drafts. I expect the same thing to happen for Lance, especially if he lands in a place where he is getting redshirted. If he goes to Carolina, if he goes to Atlanta, if he sits behind Teddy Bridgewater or Matt Ryan or, I don't know, the Niners trade up to grab him. Something along those lines, Trey Lance has immense potential, and if he is not starting right away, people are not going to want to spend that high pick, but we're talking dynasty, guys. That pick, whether you get production or not in the rookie season, when you have somebody with that much potential getting groomed, remember my comparison for him is Josh Allen, well worth a high pick. Well worth a high pick. I'm going to be considering him at 104, 105, 106 in all of these super flex drafts depending on my quarterback situation and what I've got going on there. All right, so after breakaway speed, he's probably going to be, if he is in the NFL as a starter rookie year, he's probably the best running threat after Lamar Jackson and maybe Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray's probably a little bit harder to get a hand on. He destroys angles a little bit better, but Trey Lance is, I mean, he's a stronger runner and he'll probably run more often. So I would say Trey Lance, you know, if you give him 16 games, is the second most productive running threat at the quarterback position after Lamar Jackson. He's got a huge arm. He's got good deep ball accuracy. Definitely can stand to improve, but it's there. He has the ability to throw on the run. He avoids negative plays. That's that's the thing that is very interesting because when you looked at Josh Allen, his rookie year, he was very productive in fantasy, and it was because of his legs and his big plays, but he also threw a lot of interceptions. You're, you're getting a similar output here with Lance, except he is way more risk averse. He is way less likely to have a whole bunch of turnovers, which is very intriguing for teams because Josh Allen now is more like that. But Trey Lance is already kind of in a better mold when it comes to turnover differential. So that's something that teams are probably very excited about because he's not only somebody you get to mold, but he's not somebody you have to coach bad habits out of as well. So, I mean, of course he has his bad habits. Habits, everybody does, but it's not going to be you know, to a detrimental factor the way an interception-heavy type of quarterback like a Jameis Winston or a rookie season Josh Allen or whatnot may be. He is somebody who avoids negative plays, kind of just talked about that. He can utilize the check down, so it helps him get yardage when there's not something big downfield. And he has improved throughout his college career, moving within the pocket. When you see somebody develop and get better like that, that is a great sign. That's what Trey Lance shows. So it's very apparent to me that he's somebody who's very coachable, and if he lands in a nice situation, watch out. Watch out for sure in fantasy. Now let's talk about some things that he struggles with, right? Some people consider this a knock. I don't, but he is a very raw prospect. Some people like to say he's not actually that raw. I would still consider him pretty raw because he needs to work on his accuracy, going through reads, stuff like that, because he does miss reads sometimes. He misses throws sometimes. He has a long windup on his throw. His release takes a little long, which can be scary, but it's also something that can be coached out of him. He is very inconsistent when he's throwing the ball. Accuracy is there, shows potential for it, but he's not consistent with it. 
and he only had 47, here's a scary stat kind of, only 47.1% of passes were deemed accurate. It was the worst among the top quarterback prospects in this draft class. But fantasy takeaway, he could be a legitimate superstar. Think Josh Allen, rookie year, with better rushing numbers, with better rushing numbers. That could be exactly what his rookie year looks like. Exactly. And he's going to need a good situation, a good coaching staff to develop as a passer, but he has the natural talent. So if he lands in a, a great situation like Atlanta, like Carolina, I'll be glad to take him above his ADP because people are going to be like, oh, he's not even a starter. That's why Justin Herbert fell, right? And I was somebody who fully believed that Justin Herbert was not the starter, and maybe he wouldn't have been the starter, right? Maybe we didn't see any of this from Justin Herbert. Maybe if Tyrod didn't have his lung punctured, maybe he started the whole season, right? Maybe not, probably not, but if he did, let's just think about that for a second. If you got Herbert at 108 in a Superflex rookie draft— and Tyrod started the whole season, he's not going to be like worse than he is next year, right? He's not going to be, people wouldn't know how good he is yet, but next season, right? This season's over. Next season, you know what you're getting. If you knew that he was going to be that good, would you still have drafted him there? Yeah, you would have drafted him higher. You would have drafted Herbert much higher if we had the outlook on his talent and ability in the NFL, especially as a fantasy player. If we had that outlook, even if you knew he wasn't going to play at all in year one, you still would have taken him or taken him higher than what he was being drafted at. And that's going to be something I think is going to be similar for Trey Lance. Zach Wilson, 6'3", 210 pounds out of BYU. He will be 22. He is my fourth for fantasy purposes for, you know, if I'm just looking for a quarterback, if I'm a fan of a team in need of a quarterback, I might prefer Zach Wilson towards Trey Lance. He's a little bit more traditional. Not really, though. All four of these quarterbacks are very good with their legs. Zach Wilson just is the least good with his legs out of all of them, by far, out of these four. But that's why I would have him at four for fantasy purposes. But his best season, 3,692 passing yards. This was this year. 33 pass touchdowns, three interceptions, 254 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. So he may not be somebody who's going to run a lot in the NFL, but you might get some good rush touchdowns near the goal line. He might be in maybe a Ryan Tannehill from this season type of way where Tannehill's not putting up 350, 450 rushing yards, but he is giving you four or five rush touchdowns because when he's near the goal line, he's that's definitely an option he has in his mind. And that's how it's going to be for Zach Wilson as well. So that's going to be nice. He's going to have some rush touchdown upside, not as much rushing yardage upside though. My NFL comparison for him is Baker Mayfield with you know, the likelihood of running being a little bit higher. And I liked Baker Mayfield a lot coming out of college, and I do like him now. Yes, he's had some struggles that I did not anticipate after such a great rookie season, but he turned it around this year. And Zach Wilson is somebody who kind of reminds me of Baker. He can run to move the chains, punch in touchdowns, but he doesn't run a lot, even though he can do it. He's more athletic than Baker is. He can throw across his body. He has good arm strength. His production compared to the offensive weapons he was working with, very impressive. He has the ability to pull off some very unorthodox throws. I'm talking sidearms, shovels, whatnot. We saw some Patrick Mahomes-esque shovels. If you even just pull up like highlights, you'll probably see some. He throws good contested passes. So when he just has to give a big guy a shot in the end zone or down the sideline or whatever, he throws a good ball for a contested back shoulder. 
and he has and shows very good anticipation. Now, what are some things that he struggles with, right? He seems to predetermine where he's going to go with the ball. So predetermined targets, that's what I call it. He puts wide receivers in harm's way. That was pointed out very well by QB School on YouTube because sometimes, you know, when you should just be throwing it away or checking it down, sometimes he'll try and squeeze a ball to a receiver who's about to get lit up. And those can not only hurt the receiver, but also turn into easy pop-up interceptions, tip drill type type of stuff. And lastly, he does not adjust to defensive rotations during the play. And once again, to give credit where credit is due, Nick from PFN pointed that out. Now let's talk about some fantasy takeaways, right? With the worst legs of the big four quarterbacks in the draft, which is crazy because his legs are pretty good. He holds the lowest ceiling, but I believe his long-term floor is higher than Trey Lance because if Lance does not develop as a passer, he will not be a starter for very many years, especially with a trend seeming to start with teams moving off of young quarterbacks young, like earlier and earlier in their careers. Wilson could be a back-end quarterback one for fantasy throughout his career consistently with a team that is pass heavy but because there are so many guys that have legs now he's not going to be somebody who's a top six top eight unless he develops into a absolute superb elite passer like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady if he gets relegated to a run first team or a team with a great defense he will probably see the Mayfield treatment from me in fantasy which means he could be playing well he could be playing efficiently but he's going to be doing it with low volume and not much rushing ability. So it's not going to be amazing for fantasy, not nearly as good as it is for his team. So Zach Wilson is somebody I'll be taking right after Trey Lance, but I do prefer Trey Lance. And I think that they should both be inside the top eight to nine picks in Superflex, all four of these top quarterbacks. Now let's talk about some other guys, right? Mac Jones is usually the consensus QB five. He's 6'3", 217 from Alabama. He will be 23 when the season starts this past season was insane 4500 passing yards 41 touchdowns four interceptions 14 rushing yards one rushing touchdown gross gross 13 games played my nfl comparison for him this might catch you off guard after hearing those nice stats jared goff jared goff is my comparison for mac jones he's got good accuracy he protects the ball he's low on turnovers that's not so much of a golf stat or golf comparison he navigates the pocket well he has a very pretty ball he goes through his reads he throws with anticipation but too many knocks for me not much rushing ability not very athletic his accuracy only is not going to be good enough in the league just being accurate you need so much more than that any quarterback would look good in his situation Tua think about Tua was Tua some people are questioning was Tua a product of Alabama People were rating, ranking Tua way, way higher, astronomically higher last season than they are with Mac Jones this season. And now everyone's scared of Tua. So why would Mac Jones be any different? Why would he be any different? His balls float. They don't have zip. So yeah, he throws with anticipation. But if his anticipation and accuracy is not perfect, perfect in the NFL... I could actually see him becoming somebody who does throw too many interceptions because those balls float. And when with elite athletes in the NFL, much more elite than NFL athletes, except for the tippity top of guys, you're looking at a lot more passes getting jumped on and guys making up like lost distance from, you know, maybe bad coverage or whatever and getting to balls a lot quicker than you'd expect. And you need zip and he does not have it. He lacks arm strength. 
He lacks arm talent to make off-platform and impromptu throws. He can't improvise. He can't keep plays alive when there's not a play there. He can't create something. He can't raise a team. He needs talent around him, and this is the biggest thing with the Jared Goff comparison. The only way he can be good for one in general, like an NFL team, and then two for fantasy, is he needs a good O-line. He needs good receivers. He needs a good offensive playbook and play calling with coaches. He needs a lot to be able to do something. I want no part in drafting Mac Jones. In today's NFL, defenses are fast, instinctive. You have to be able to make special plays to have consistent success in today's NFL. Mac Jones cannot do that. He also has bottom level bottom level athleticism. He offers no rushing potential. The only way he could be good is on a team, like I said, with a great O-line, good receivers. And for fantasy, that's not even enough. He would have to have a team that's letting him throw 580 plus passes. Think about Jared Goff. He was in a great situation. His O-line was decent. He had really good receivers and he had Sean McVay. And the only time he was good for fantasy was the season when he was throwing 650 passes because there's no rushing potential. Too many things have to go right for Mac Jones to hit. No, thank you. Now let's talk about Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, 6'5", 239 pounds, Florida. Age, 23. Best season was also this year. 4,283 passing yards, 43 pass touchdowns, 8. Wait, 4,283 passing yards, Sorry, one second. What is what is off right now? Uh, 43 pass touchdowns. Oh, eight interceptions. Wow, I'm tripping. I forgot about the interception stat. Just ignore that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, eight interceptions. 50 rushing yards. Three rushing touchdowns. So, once again, no rushing potential. Very similar. 12 games. My NFL comparison for Kyle Trask is Big Ben, but, but Big Ben without the arm strength. He goes through reads well. He hits guys in stride well. He's accurate in short and intermediate parts of the field. He has good size. His mental toughness, very nice. He sat He sat in high school. He sat behind D'Eric King. I believe that's how you pronounce it. He has good football intelligence. He took snaps in a variety of formations successfully under center, shotgun, pistol. So he's got some good things for sure, but also a lot of knocks here. Not very athletic. Performed poorly without... Kyle Pitts on the field without Kadarius Toney on the field. He performed very poorly. He's got weak deep ball accuracy, weak velocity, lacks arm strength. His footwork to set up throws out of the pocket, not there. He can't make off-platform throws. He will also, very similar to Mac Jones, need a great surrounding talent for a chance at success. I have no interest in him. Same exact reasons. Guys, in fantasy football, with the quarterback position, especially how many guys have the ability now you need rushing ability unless you're Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers and you're throwing the ball 650 times and you're just like a great a absolute NFL great so his best shot in the NFL is really if he just takes over mentally and becomes one of those guys and I think it's a better chance that Kyle Trask does this than Mac Jones does this because just some of the things that I've read, it seems like he's more of a mental guy. He's got the toughness. I mean, he wasn't even a starter in high school. A lot of people rave about his football intelligence, being able to take snaps in very many different ways in college. There's just, I think it's a higher likelihood, a higher chance that he succeeds mentally in the NFL than Mac Jones. So that's why I would actually prefer him over Mac Jones. 
but he would have to become this elite mental processor and great pocket passer, and that's unlikely, so I'm still not interested. Jamie Newman, 6'3", 235 pounds out of Georgia. He will also be 23 when the season starts. His best season to date, 2,868 pass yards, 28 or 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 574 rushing yards, 6 rushing touchdowns, so decent, 12 games, and that was in 2019. His NFL comparison for me is Colin Kaepernick minus some arm strength. He's got good size. He's tough. He's athletic. He's got great legs. He's got a very good developmental trait, possibly. Velocity is apparent in spurts, but it's not consistent on his throws. He's not a great passer. He's inaccurate. He's got weak arm strength. He's not asked to make reads. He lacks anticipation. He doesn't navigate the pocket well. His vision and his decision-making skills are not where they need to be. So my fantasy takeaway for him is, look, if you're getting him late in a super flex, he's a guy that could be usable if he sees the field because of an injury, and he'll be usable because of his legs. But don't get excited thinking he could be a player who holds a starting job. Now let's talk about some sleepers, right? Those are some of like the consensus top guys. Now let's go through some sleepers, some guys that I actually do have interest in drafting after the top four main dudes that everyone will be excited to draft. One guy from SMU, Shane Bouchele, 6'1", 207 pounds. I think he's 23 when the season starts, but really weird. I could find his birth date year, but I couldn't find like his month and day. So I'm just assuming off the birth date year that he'll be, he will be 23, but I could be off there. His best season so far was 2019, 3,929 pass yards, 34 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 105 rushing yards, 2 rushing touchdowns, 13 games. Brandon. You're just talking all that smack about guys who can't rush the ball and you need to be able to run the ball, yada, yada, yada. So why is one of your sleepers somebody who has no rushing upside? Well, because his value and where you're going to be drafting him, he, he might not even get drafted in four-round, 12-team, 48-pick rookie drafts in Dynasty. He might not even get drafted at all. You might be able to pick him up off the waiver. And if you need quarterback help, why not? You could stick him in your taxi for one or two years depending on the structure of your league and he could end up becoming somebody who's really good. So for me, he's a sleeper super flex pick. Look, he doesn't have great athleticism. He doesn't have great arm strength, but I like what he does in the pocket. And out of the day three quarterbacks in the NFL draft, this is my pick for who will have the most successful career. All right, so I got three sleepers here for you, like all of them. But Shane Bouchele is the guy that I think will have the most successful career. He's got the best shot. Now, obviously... This is not me comparing him to this guy, okay? It's just an example so you can kind of get a mindset, right? He has the best shot of being a Tom Brady in terms of a late-round draft pick who's not physically um, imposing, imposing. He's not physically imposing, right? Tom Brady wasn't. Everyone looked at that guy and was like, how is this an NFL player? But he's got the mental side of the game down. He's got the pocket-passing like being able to move through the pocket, be accurate. He's got that down. So he's somebody that I think could eventually, if he lands in a very good situation, which is definitely something you have to pay attention to because quarterback is one of the most team landing spot dependent positions in the NFL. At least like that's what I think because their careers can be completely destroyed, obviously, if they go to a bad situation. Like maybe Jameis, I hate to say this because I'm a Bucks fan, but maybe Jameis, if he went somewhere else, with an Andy Reid or a Sean McVay, maybe not McVay. I don't know how good he is at like coaching out turnovers and stuff. But you know, if he went to a 
really good coach for quarterbacks, then maybe he wouldn't have developed the habits that he developed in his four years before he got to see Bruce Arians. And, you know, at that point, it's too late. It's it's too late to fix him. He's been doing it for four years, and, and Bruce Arians is a guy who's got one, two, maybe three years to really try and, you know, stay like to stay healthy and build a team to get another Super Bowl ring, which obviously he did. Let's go. But anyways, um, yeah, so that's why I like Shane Bouchele. We'll just have to keep an eye on where he goes. But most rookie drafts are after the NFL draft. So if he goes somewhere nice and he could develop for a year or two, it's worth putting him in your taxi spot. Trust me. Felipe Franks, Arkansas. Some people say Arkansas. Say what you want. 6'6", 234 pounds. He will be 23. His best season to date was this year, 2,107 passing yards, 17 pass touchdowns. Four interceptions, 204 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, nine games. I pretty much feel very similar to Felipe Franks as I do with Shane Bouchele, just to a lesser degree. He is a better athlete than Shane is, though. So if they both kind of saw like a similar situation, it's possible Felipe Franks could develop better for fantasy purposes because he would offer a little bit more rushing upside, but not to an insane degree. And then lastly, Davis Mills. 6'4", 212 from Stanford. He'll be 22 when the season starts. He never really got much of an opportunity. He dealt with injury, but he has great physical tools. He is a very athletic runner when he needs to be, and he has a very strong arm. He is a project, for sure. He's definitely a project, but he could become something. He's also never worked with legit weapons, which you guys have probably heard me say on other podcast episodes when I see or at least on Twitter when I see a quarterback who looks good and can pull off really nice plays and he's doing it with a very bad supporting cast that's very interesting that's kind of what Herbert was that's very interesting so Davis Mills is somebody kind of with that that you know idea around him he's got the physical tools he's a project he did some nice things with not very good weapons He needs to have his mental side coached up, so landing spot will also be very important, just like it is with the other two guys. Honestly, for every quarterback, it's very important, but especially for guys that are getting drafted in day three from rounds four to seven, right? Those people are more landing spot dependent, not necessarily because they need to have somebody develop them as much. Sometimes you have developed guys that go late. That's not who we're talking about here, but I'm just saying. But with that being the case, you're a day three pick. Like you're not going to get many opportunities. That's why the landing spot counts more. Because if you go somewhere and you don't have much to work with around you, even if you really are a good quarterback, you're not going to get many chances because you're a day three guy and they're going to move off of you whenever they get the chance. So that's why it's super important where these guys go. But just to recap the sleepers, Shane Bouchele, Felipe Franks, Davis Mills. All right. I will tweet it out. Uh, one day, once I get all my sleepers into the same tweet from all the positions, just guys that are either going to be drafted in like the fourth round or not drafted at all, I would be surprised if I would be surprised if Davis Mills is drafted. He's definitely not going to get drafted, um, not in terms of the NFL, but in terms of like a 48 pick rookie mock draft or a rookie draft for your dynasty leagues. Felipe Franks probably won't get drafted. Shane Bouchele, maybe somebody will take him with like one of the last three picks in the draft, but probably not. So all three of these guys are going to be guys you can probably pick up right after the draft and stick them in your taxi squad. It's definitely worth it. Keep your eye on it. And just to recap from the top, my order for fantasy purposes, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Jamie Newman, and then the sleepers. 
that's what we got for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please, I know I said it in the ad, but please leave me a review. It's been a while since somebody has left me a review. I know a lot of you guys are on Spotify and you're not able to. Um, I have like a whole bunch of advanced metrics. I know like over 50% of my listeners are on Spotify, so no worries. But if you're on Apple, if you've left a review before, you could always leave one again. You know, if you feel differently, if you think I've gotten better at podcasting, hopefully that's the case. I've been doing it for what are we on episode like 90 something right now? I know it doesn't show you because we're in season two, but you know, I've gotten, I feel like I've came a a pretty long way. So it would very much help me out if you drop a review and that's all I got for you guys. Let's go bucks. Let's go bucks, baby. Super Bowl 55 winners. First team to win it in their own stadium. First team to play in their own stadium. And man, the rest, the rest of this off season, I'm going to be the the podcaster who is a, a Super Bowl champion. You know, I might not have been a contributor like a player, but hey, when you've been a Bucks fan for since, let's see, I would say I've been a diehard, avid Bucks fan since 2012, Doug Martin's rookie year. That's when I was really old enough to fully comprehend football and really sit down and just watch it and not get distracted and just enjoy it and know what's going on. When you're a team of the Bucks or a fan of this team, the Bucks for that long, it, it makes this win. It makes this Super Bowl, man, so sweet. So sweet, especially because I always heard in my ear, you know, from my dad and from other guys that are older about the glory days. And I just wanted to experience some glory days. And I did. So let's go, Bucks. All right, I'm going to let you get out of here. I'm not going to keep you guys with my Bucks fandom. Have a good one. Peace. Thank you.